Hello and welcome to Meet Our Makers, an artist interview podcast produced in association with Beats Per Minute. I'm your host, Jeremy J. Fissett. On this episode, we get to meet Torquil Campbell. Torquil, who also goes by Torque, is one of the co-founders and co-lead singers of indie rock veterans, Stars. Now, Torque and his bandmate Amy Milan and I have been trying to get together for a talk for quite a while, as you'll hear at the start of this conversation. And finally, finally, we did it. It's just Torque, but man, does he have a lot to say. In this chat, Torque and I talk quite a bit about the brand new Stars record from Capleton Hill, as well as sort of the whole history of the band, where they started, how they got here, what it means to him that they're still around. We talk about the current state of the music industry and how much it's shifted since Stars came around, as well as Dork's many opinions on that matter. And we discuss what it means to him and in general to be making art with people you truly love, with people whose company you love, and the power of that love. It's a great talk. I'm so happy it finally happened, and I think you'll really enjoy it. This is me meeting Torquil Campbell from Stars. Hello. Can you hear me? I can. Can you hear me? I can. How are you doing, Jeremy? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm, I'm good. I'm okay. I'm, uh, I'm under the gun. <laughs> That's <laughs> the way. nature. Of, well, just like uh, I just the album coming a fuckload of work to do. Yeah, the album coming out and then... On top of that, you know, I've taken on this song commission thing and mm. I've, I've, it's amazing. It's a blessing, but I've got 78 commissions and um, I'm not going to be able to work on it. You know, in a few weeks time, I'll have to go full stars. So I'm just trying to write. I've written 24 songs in nice. two and a half months, Nice, which is a lot of fucking songs. Yeah, that's prolific. <laughs> Yeah, it's like my own little Brill building over right. here. <laughs> so I'm trying to channel Irving Berlin and just get it done. Right. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I want to talk to you about that, but we'll talk about that later. Um, yeah. So thank you for, um, we're finally doing it. <laughs> I know, sorry. it's No, it's really fine. Forever. I'm just, whenever I'm I try joshing. to coordinate something with Amy Milan, it doesn't, unless it's like a, a lifetime career. Other than that, you yeah, can't right? really get it you together. Can, you can keep a band for 20 years. But. Yeah, I can do that, but we can't like organize lunch. It's yeah, I know. So for people don't really probably even know if whoever's listening to this when it's up. Um, we I've been trying, and I, I don't say this to rag on you at all. I have been trying to talk to you guys for about a year now. Um, granted. <laughs> Apologies, everyone out there. Yeah, the thing well, is, is that... You know, now you've 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 put off the the disappointment so long <laughs> that it'll seem like uh, not a disappointment. That no, was my I'm not strategy. Disappointed at all. Make yeah. you wait so long that my inanities will seem profound. Well, I was going to so say, I it, hope it, my plan know, is working. I was going to say, for for whatever it's worth, I invited you guys long before this album was even announced. I was just like shooting yeah. in the dark. I was like, hey, I don't know what they're up to, but I like them. I want to talk. <laughs> I and so it. you guys, we tried. I did. I did speak to Amy for about four and a half minutes. I have um, a podcast, you know, Jeremy. So I know. Yes, what it's you do. Like yes, to try and get people on. It's yeah. the least fun aspect <laughs> of having a podcast. Is, well, it's is especially 
It's especially weird because I don't know how it is for you. um, But like, from my perspective, you know, I'm, I'm just over here doing this. Like, I don't, I don't, I I literally don't know anybody. So when I, I I write for beats per minute, so they help a little bit. So like with you guys, it's easy because you are very public about, you know, we don't have PR email us at this email address. So you guys were easy to reach, but most of the time that's not the case. Yeah. And so it's like this weird, really, really impersonal thing where I'm sending out an invite into the ether. Yes. You know, and and four people have to see it before anyone says yes or no. And then when I often get no's, because of course, most of the time you get no's, I I mean, I'm like, you probably didn't even ask. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? So you're saying no for the person. Right. And I get it. I do. I do get it. But it's a weird process. So I'm happy you're here. I think when Amy talked to me last year, we were like waiting for you. And then she was like, I'll send him a text. Then she was like, oh yeah, he forgot. (laughs) And then you were ready to do it, but then Amy couldn't do it. And I, I was really trying to hold out it would have it would have been fun to talk to both of you, but you know what? Don't don't smoke marijuana, kids. Yeah, it's screw it, screw it. You know, <laughs> Torque's here. I'm as, the good I, one. Believe yeah, me. As, as Amy said, he'll have plenty of good things to say. Yeah. So I can I can come up with some shit. Right. So Amy, wherever you are, bless you. Yeah, we love you. Um, we I am going to talk about her very specifically at the end. I have a very personal note, which is one of the reasons I wanted her to be here. But we'll see what that is when I get there. Um. Anyway. So you're here, and I, now you actually have something to talk about besides generalities. Life. Um, besides <laughs> life, you have an album. So Stars is releasing their ninth yeah. album, Wild. Well, yeah, there was also There's Our Greatest Hits, okay. Guardia, and then there's sure. the remix album, Do You Trust Your Friends. So it could even like be 11th. It's about 12 albums in, I would say. 12 and a half, yeah. Yeah, something Um, in that range. Yeah, so from Capleton Hill, coming out on May 27th on Last Gang. Um, How's the lead up to the release going? I mean, besides the commission project kind of overwhelming you a little bit, how's it going? Um, Strange times, you know, every time you put a record out now, everything has changed and this more than ever of this time more than ever obviously for Mm -hmm. obvious reasons but but even before the dreaded 19 because of the way the internet is eating culture um and the modes by which we find out about and share culture you are constantly putting a record out into a world you don't really understand, mm. you know, from a, from a, from a, a sales point of view, from a, from a point of view of getting people to hear it. So, um, you know, it's tricky. I and mean, we have great people that we always work with who are beautiful souls and love, love us and love the band. And, but they too are, are, you know, constantly having to adjust and learn and shift based on just the the sheer amount of noise out there mm-hmm. and the kind of um what's the word like, like the, the totally almost random way in which people find out about music and art these days yeah um because the feed the algorithm is just a fucking monster you know and it, yeah. it, it will have its way with you so it's hard to poke through that but um, on the other hand, you know, I really love the advent of the podcast. I, I I love having longer conversations with people about things and not feeling like you're just having the same 10 minute chat with, you know, with various journalists. Right. Um, so so that aspect of it, I, I really like. I'm a big 
I mean, I don't know why we call it podcasting. It's it, it's just radio. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, it's, I don't even know what that's just supposed broadcasting. to mean. Broadcasting. <laughs> yeah, I don't. What a, what is? The, I'm not in a pod. I refuse to get in the pod. Did but it, I do like broadcasting. <laughs> I love that. I'm <laughs> totally guessing, and I'm sure incorrectly, but do you think the pod part has anything to do with like iPods? I guess it does. I don't know. Now that I think about it, but I'm not going to use Apple <laughs> ad mat in my daily conversation right. if I can possibly help it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is. It's a radio show. It's a radio show. Yeah. I guess it's not live. It's a broadcast. But it's a broadcast, broadcast. of something that yeah. was live. Yeah, it's audio. It's recorded sound. It's a documentary. There you go. It's life, baby. Um. So, so yeah, it's... It's challenging in that respect. And, you know, we have been around for a long, long time and we're not the Rolling Stones. You know, we're not mm -hmm. uh, we're not we're not Dave Matthews. So we have a very, very loyal and beautiful group of listeners around the world. Um, and we're fortunate that we kind of always were independent and always had a spirit of meeting the audience where they were at, you know? So mm -hmm. that has been to our advantage because it means that we have things like our Patreon page and we have really strong personal relationships with literally thousands of people who are into our stuff. So we can kind of circumvent the machine to some degree, um, which is a good thing because the machine could give a fuck about us, you know? Right. So um, that is, there's. it's just a question of like, saying to yourself, stop, stop relying on the machine and stop measuring your success by whether the machine processes you or not, which I think, you know, for a bunch of old people like us, <laughs> that was the business. When we got into the business, the business was, oh my God, Warner Brothers is coming to see you. Oh my God, Rolling Stone's writing about right. you. Oh my, you know, there were like 10 gatekeepers and they were the ones. And so it was really like um, high school musical all the time. Everybody was, you know, throwing up the jazz hands and trying to get attention. <laughs> and I think that's passe, you know, I, I know for a fact that, and I'm a person who does, as I'm sure you are, like constantly listen to music, constantly listen to new music. I feel like I know what's going on yeah. in a lot of different genres, but I'm, I'm constantly finding things where I'm like, holy fuck, this person has 30 million views on YouTube and I've right. literally never heard of right. them, you know? So I think that there's lots of splintered, shattered pieces of the music industry that, um, and if you're one of those pieces, you just have to sort of be content with that, you know? Yeah, I wonder, you know, as you're, as you're talking about this, I, I find myself wondering like, yeah, you guys have been around a while. You, in the 2000s, obviously much different landscape than it is now. Yeah. And I'm wondering, like you, you mentioned the algorithm and kind of this whole like press machine. And it's like, how would someone, and I'm sure it, it does happen, but how does one like discover stars yeah. now? Yeah. It's yeah. a weird, it's um, a weird thing because you guys yeah. kind well, of don't really through, have to think about it. It's playlists, right? I mean, I think mm. that's how people, you know, I was at the Yumizuma show last night. Absolutely amazing band. If you had not heard. I've never Yumizuma. heard of them. Oh, Mike, see, there you go. Incre You'd see, love yeah. them, Jeremy, so much. You, I'm, you're going to write me an email a week from now being like, holy shit, dude, thank you so much. <laughs> Beautiful pop band from New Zealand. And they were here in Vancouver. And, you know, there's a good crowd out. 
but they just talked through the whole fucking thing. And oh, I was sure. looking around and I was like, right, this is a playlist audience. Right. This is a group of people who are casual listeners to this band, enough so that they decided to make a night out of it, but they actually don't know the catalog. They're waiting for one or two tunes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was, all, it was always that way. That radio was the same in a way. People would go to shows to hear one song. But, um, yeah, it, it, it's... It is what it is. It, yeah. it, you can't... The great thing about pop music is that it, it, it's stupid. <laughs> and so as I get older, I have to keep reminding myself that stupid is as stupid does, and that's what I signed up for. And I'm into it. I like dumb shit. And <laughs> pop music is, the industry is the dumbest fucking thing I've ever seen. <laughs> so how, how would one find out about stars now? I guess somebody would tell you, but I think what, the point you're making is, and I, I think about this constantly. How does a new artist make this work for themselves? Oh, it's, it's, it is and not impossible. I can't, I can't, I can't, I don't know how. I really, really don't know how. It seems to me there's only one way that it's happening right now. And it's literally like you're a, you're a bedroom artist and you get on YouTube and you get enough followers that you, you maybe do covers or whatever. And then you start writing your own stuff and those people go with you. And then the traditional business finds you. And I know a number of artists like that um, who've done that, but that is its own kind of hell, you know, because then you are enslaved to YouTube. So I don't know. But there is something weird about it, about like constantly making stuff and then watching it just kind of drift in the void. Yeah. It's It's weird. And I think the thing is, is that when... When before pre-internet, the void, you were not aware of the void. Like right. you were still you were still going into the void, but you the void wasn't like in your pocket, you know? Right. And so it, it was like the whatever progress you made was physical, incremental progress. You know, mm-hmm. when we started out, it was like, okay, we're going to Chicago to play Shubas. There's 20 people here. And then we go back four months later and there were 40 people there. Right. And a year later, there was 120. And, you know, we played Shubas six times. And then suddenly we'd sold out Shubas, you know, and then the next thing happened. And yeah. that kind of economy doesn't exist anymore, um, at least not in indie rock. I think that, that it does to some degree still in like the worlds of metal and and hardcore and thrash and stuff like that. But yeah. but you guys are still going so something's going right well (laughs) i do feel like i i had this as like a side note i do have this personal feeling and i I might be fully off base but i have this personal feeling whenever you guys announce a new album there's almost like a like there's another one (laughs) because i feel like i get this urgency from you guys almost that at least for the past few albums that it feels like this could this could be their last one yeah I mean, I don't know if that's be. accurate, but that's no, how it feels. It's been that way always, to be honest with you, man. Mm. You know, like this is six people trying to make this work yeah. together. And um, we split everything. We split every single penny we make. We have a vote on every de- single decision about every single thing, every T-shirt, every tour, every song list, every set mm. is a democracy. Um, that's the way it's been since the very beginning. And so there's no other way of doing it. And, uh, because of that, 
the, and the nature of the people in the band, if any one of us left, that would be it. The band would be over. Right. Like we wouldn't, we wouldn't keep going. If yeah, I left. think that's a misconception people probably have. They, 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 a lot of people for your band and, and other bands, but to use yours specifically, would probably say, oh, the band would only end if Tork or Amy quit. Yeah, no, that's, but that's not, not true. No, no, not at all. I yeah. mean, in fact, like we're probably the two most expendable people. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, it's it, it's just people ask us this a lot, of course, now. What, how did you, you know, how have you done it? How have you kept it together? Yeah. Um, you know, I've been married for the same length of time I've been in this band pretty much. Uh, I don't, I don't end things you know, <laughs> and I'm, I'm not an ender and neither is Amy and neither is anybody else in the band. Um, it's sort of pure luck that we all got together to do this. We knew a lot about each other at the time, but we didn't know that we were all had this particular character flaw, which is mm. that we just don't like endings. And, um, that were very long-term commitment kind of people, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's not just us. I mean, this, this week, uh, Tegan and Sarah, Arcade Fire, Metric and us yeah. all put out singles. Yep. All those bands are still together. Yeah, Canada's buzzing right this week. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and those are, I mean, Tegan and Sarah, I guess they're, they, they have no choice. <laughs> they have to be together. But, yeah. but the rest of us, we've done that you know, marriages, babies, kids. Interband marriages. It, yeah, all of it has happened. Um, people getting divorces within the band, people breaking up, you know, mm -hmm. um, and, and all of that has happened and we're still doing it. And I, I think that that's just the kind of world that we all came from and the era that we came from was, was that there was, you had to work a very long time uh, to get anywhere mm -hmm. and that meant going through the hard stuff with each other. And once you've done the first 10 years, it's kind of cruising, really. <laughs> you know, once you've all been in jail together and, um, you know, had thrown bottles at each other and fucking, you know, slept with the wrong people. And all, once all that <laughs> shit's happened, it's like, well, what's going to kill us now? Sure. You know? and, and I would imagine you also, have some kind of language down pat now as well. Yeah, I mean, it's just in jokes. It's just right. It's just twenty four hours of of in jokes a day. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds um, lovely. <laughs> like, yeah, it's fucking hilarious. They're hilarious human beings, and yeah. they're they infuriate me. Um, I I don't infuriate anyone. I'm very very easy easy to get along with. I'm I'm very <laughs> much uh, no. Um, but you know, it's yeah. I love them and. They're my band. You get one band. Right. Unless you're, unless you're, you know, Damon Auburn, you get one fucking band. <laughs> like even Paul McCartney really only had one band. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, Wings by anybody else's measurement be like a band. That, that would be your band. That was like Paul McCartney's strikeout was right. multi-million platinum <laughs> yeah. Wings because he was in the Beatles, you know, so I mean, you could say Amy and Evan have two bands, but uh, I don't think they really feel that's true. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, we all have broken social scene, but broken social scene is not a band. No, it's a so collection. It's a it's a broken social scene. Yeah, so, quite literally. Yeah, it's that is literally what it is.
And I mean, I, I I've spoken with um some people who are kind of in the in the formula up there and in, in the equation up there. And you guys do, I mean, you kind of come and go in each other's stuff all the time, but you still have your own stuff. And so yeah. stars, stars is a unit. And I oh, think yeah. I think if you can attest to anything it's that and the fact that i mean you say people say oh how do you do it and i think the real miracle is like not that you're still making music but that you can even still sit here today in 2022 and say i love them yeah you know that's that's, i mean that's great i'm very proud of that i think we all are we're really really proud and grateful for having stuck it out with each other um and no matter what happens you know like this this will end with love you know Mm -hmm because we've got, as I say, we, we've done so much hard stuff together and we've had so many hard feelings between each other that we had to work through and deal with. And, um, and it's, it really is in many ways, and I've heard other bands that have been around a long time say this, it's like, these are the, these, this is the gravy. Like, right. we have a lot more fun now than we used to and we get along a lot better. And, um, we just sort of understand each other on a really mm-hmm. deep level. So we can skip a lot of steps of bullshit that we used to indulge ourselves in and terrible email threads and, <laughs> you know, all that stuff um, yeah. is sort of gone away and we trust each other. So well, it's important it, it now. And also I think we're both, we're all just like, you know, like a bunch of people out on the sidewalk looking at a burning building. Like the music industry is so fucked that, mm-hmm. Um, you you kind of want to huddle together, <laughs> just yeah. try and try and like hold on to what you, you know, have. Hold on to what you have. Yeah, yeah. yeah I wouldn't want to start something now. It's nuts. Yeah, even with the twenty plus year, you know, sort of status you have, it would it would still feel nuts probably to do that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, l- you look at Arcade Fire. Like yeah. Arcade Fire are put they're on they're doing fucking Instagram posts, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they didn't do that. Yeah. Back in the day. Right. They 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 did not do that shit. They weren't mm-hmm. smiling on Instagram telling you to come to their show. I mean, if Arcade Fire have to blow everybody, I guess we're <laughs> all going to have to blow everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that'll be the so. title of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's cool. I'm I'm into giving people pleasure. Whatever. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Um, so this new album from Capleton Hill, for those people who don't get press releases like I do, um, what is Capleton Hill? Is it, is it a real place? And how did it become the title of this project? It is a real place. Uh, it's a hill. It's just a hill. It's just a, a hill in a town called North Hatley. Um, which is in the eastern townships of Quebec. Mm-hmm. And North Hatley is the most important place in the world to me. And it's my only real home. It's the only place that's been consistent in my life because my great-great-grandfather built this house in 1904, um, who was an American. And we've had it ever since. Mm-hmm. And it's never changed. Uh, n- nothing changes. You know, every everything's falling apart you can't be there in the winter it's made of wood and uh but it's this vast house because they used to build these places you know like summer mansions right um so it's this huge old house that we can only be in if we're lucky five months a year and it sits empty most of the time 
And every year you come back and it hasn't changed and it smells the same and the furniture's the same and the newspapers next to the fireplace are from last year. So you read all the news that happened last year and it, it's, um, it's my favorite place. And it's a place that stars have spent a lot of time. We wrote and recorded some of Set Yourself on Fire there. We spent mm. the winter there together making Set Yourself on Fire going insane. <laughs> and we've, we still go there all the time. Chris and I wrote Snowy Owl up there and Amy and Evan bring their kids up there all the time. All of Stars were there on September 11th. Oh, wow. uh, so it's been a place that has just been in our lives, all of our lives. And I think it represents to me like the idea from Capleton Hill is that this record comes from um, somewhere that doesn't change, that everything has changed, everything is changing. But on, in this place, on Capleton Hill, things don't change for mm. at least another year. And as you get older, as you, as your children grow up, you start to realize like, you just wanna hold on for a second longer to things and it just can't be so. And I think that the pandemic really, really hit us in, well, hit me personally in the face with that recognition. Right. That there are things in the past and they're not coming back. There are, you know, I'm not going back. <laughs> yeah. So um, that that's heartbreaking, but it is true and it's the way it is. And you have to drive on. You gotta, you gotta head into the future and make new memories. And that this is something stars have been obsessed with for so long, you know, which is that life is about losing. You have to let go of everything you love. You have to say goodbye to everyone you love. And that's the cost of love is that you have to let go of it. Yeah. So, you know, more of the same sad shit from <laughs> us. <laughs> and yet, and yet, for the most part, the record is, it, it doesn't sound, it doesn't have like a dour energy to it. No, 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 it doesn't. So we had a great time making yeah. it. And, you know, once we got in the room with Jace, Marcus was there with us through a lot of the songwriting part of it, but Jace was sort of the guy we made the record with mostly. And, and we should mention that's in the room, Jace from Besnard Lakes. Yeah. And Marcus Paquin, who's a yep. great producer in Montreal and our old friend. Um, but Jace, you know, he's got this place, Break Glass, which is just legendary. You all mm -hmm. own records made at Break Glass Studios. And yeah, I know Jace I do. A, I have Besnard Lakes records. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. He's just a force of love and good vibes and yeah. nature. And I chatted with him immense. in Oakville for the show a couple of years, two years yeah. ago. They were lovely. Well, he's, he's a killer human being and he brings joy and he's, he's so great on the board and he's so great with guitars and with vocals and, and he's a huge, you know, Smith's fan. Um, so we had that together in common and, and we just started, started going for it. And, and, you know, I mean, it's, I think the record, like, what do people say? What does it sound like? If I had to, if in a push, I'd be like, it sounds like pre-2005 Morrissey solo albums without the racism, obviously. <laughs> we've, we've cut that out. But the records were Thank fucking God. good. <laughs> <laughs> the records sounded great. They were big, you know? Mm -hmm. They were indie records, but they were big. And yeah. we wanted to do that. And Jace is great at that. Yeah.
So then this idea of Capleton Hill kind of representing that that sort of contradiction of memory and loss and how we try to hold on to things that we that we literally cannot hold on to anymore. Did did that come before the song from Capleton or Capleton Hill or was that kind of of a piece? Um that came I guess before the song, but it's hard to say so I was like I knew very early on that I wanted to involve North Hatley in the record somehow. Mm -hmm. And and I knew that, like I wrote that song, the, the verse to that song, Amy wrote the lyrics for the chorus, but I wrote the verses and I, I wrote those closing the house up. So the, the, openings, the opening line is close up the house for one more year. And that's what I was doing. So, mm. um, it, I kind of have this thing of, I, I think of what the record, I want the record to be. And remember, it's just, uh, this is just me. Everyone else has their own ideas of what the record will be. So it never ends up being what I think the record <laughs> will be because it's an amalgamation of everybody's visions. Right. But my vision of it is, comes before everything. Like I, I get these ideas about what I want, but me and Evan, I think are both like that. Like we'll have these, me and Evan will start having these conversations where we're like, yeah, we're only going to use mini Moog, you know, and <laughs> let's make a Robert Wyatt record. And, you know, we'll have these very specific notions of what it's going to be like. Um, everyone else just kind of feels their way through it. But then at the end, I think sometimes Amy hears what I'm writing about and she'll try to like echo or talk to it back. You know, she'll start to take on some imagery or I'll take on some imagery from her and we'll kind of silently arrive at what the world of something is. Mm. So you mentioned that COVID kind of screwed things over a little bit um, or at least screwed your mind over. Um, how long ago was this record even done? Like, was it a COVID album? No, it was recently done because oh, okay. we we were about to start doing it. You know, we had done this play, um, which was wild shit. That was amazing. We did this play where we were all in it and we played ourselves. And I we vaguely remember the reading of about the band. that. Yeah, we did it in Toronto. It was called Stars Together. And we did it for like two months. It took us a year to write with Chris Abraham and Zach Russell. And it was a full production, like a concert with a play in it. Yeah. Um, so that was a huge undertaking. So that took the better part of 2020, 2019. Um, and just before COVID, um, the whole play ends with us like simultaneously reciting what happens if a nuclear bomb drops on a city. Oh, wow. Um, and the whole thing was about how Chris has this feeling of impending doom. And we had these t-shirts for the play that said, I have this feeling of impending doom. And then a month <laughs> later, COVID hit. So we really did feel like we had sort of summoned that up somehow. <laughs> um, so, but, but before that, we had been touring the last record for, you know, a year and a half. So we were going to get together in the spring of 2020 and start making this record. And then, boom. So yeah. we started immediately writing. We were trading songs. And I think the plan that we thought was before we all understood just how crazy this shit was going to be, you know, the plan was sort of like, well, we'll meet in the fall and we'll right. start then. And then that didn't really happen. We sort of met a little bit, but we couldn't really do it. You know, um, pre-vaccine, you couldn't really do it. Right. So um, it wasn't until spring of 2021 that we really got going on this thing. 
So okay. it's it's a pretty recently finished record, actually. We finished it in like November of last year. Oh, okay. That's a quick turnaround. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm curious about one thing I noticed because I, I listened to it um just before we were talking. And I, I noticed I think twice um you make mention of the 200 days. Mm-hmm. What is that time frame? Is that symbolic of something? I think that's probably the amount of days it had been since we were all locked inside that mm. I wrote that song. Um, I think it was for a while, it was 600 days in Capleton on, on Capleton Hill because I wrote that last year, late summer last year, but then I wanted it to be consistent. Yeah. I wanted it to be 200 days. Um, I like, you know, I like specifics. I like mm -hmm. the details in songwriting. I think that uh, if you look at a lot of great songwriters, they judiciously use details to pull you in, specific things. Um, it just gives, it grounds the language and it gives people a sense of reality in some way. Mm. And um, I don't know, I've just always liked to be specific about time. <laughs> in songwriting yeah well it anchors it a little bit yeah it 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 makes it sound real you know yeah. it, it it's um it's not a generality which songwriting can fall into of course and it's your friend like cliches are your friend in songwriting I mean there will be another song where someone sings oh baby I love you and it'll <laughs> crush you right you know because they'll have done it right. They'll have found exactly the right melody, yeah. exactly the right moment to say that and surround it with the right instrumentation. And you'll be like, oh, I fucking love that line. I mean, right. when, you, when you read Bob Marley on the page, it's incredible how trite the lyrics are mm -hmm. compared to when you listen to them because they are so deep when you listen to them within the music. They're so fucking profound. Yeah, And then you read them on the page and you're like, oh, judge not before you judge yourself. It's like a greeting card. Yeah. But it's like, but you know, he's, he's not saying it like a greeting card. He's saying right. it from the depths of his fucking profound soul. So it's, you're like, yeah, right, man. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta remember that. Yeah, sure. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. um, let me, let me take that in. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, quite briefly, you mentioned Snowy Owl. I, I wanted to ask about Snowy Owl. Um, yeah. It was one of the first singles of the record. Um, yeah. Despite being the closer, I always find it interesting when people choose the closer as a single. Yeah. Um, it's also, though, one of the like very few Stars songs that's like kind of just a folky acoustic guitar song. Yeah, with Chris so Seligman playing a acoustic guitar right that's which, not a that's not a common look for you guys i mean you've done no. you've done like sp like spare piano tracks before but not a lot of acoustic guitar on your on your albums and i'm wondering well first of all how did it end up that way and then also why was it the closer why did it seem important to make it the closer so that the putting it out as a single and having it be the closer was a label thing actually they really mm -hmm. felt strongly about that song and um really felt like it was different and that it had its own signature. So we acquiesced to them on that because they felt strongly about that. Um, I would have ended with the, I need the light myself, mm -hmm. but 
um, because it ends with a string quartet and that just is more beatly. And I learned, <laughs> I follow the rules, but, um, but yeah, it, Chris has taught himself to play guitar over the past three or four years um, and really loves it. And so he was up in North Hatley with me uh, in 2021 and we were just hanging out and he had brought his guitar with him and we, you know, we were sort of hoping some ideas would come and we wrote that song very quickly um, sitting by the fire in North Hatley. So it was, I think it was nice, you know, me and Chris have, have done that over the years. There's often a song on the, on the record that only Chris and I will write, mm. um, like in our bedroom after the war or uh, barricade or, um, you know, uh, tonight, there's a, there's a bunch of them, but the fact that he was playing guitar was, I was very proud of him for having taught himself to do that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've been best friends since we were eight years old, Chris and I. So our entire lives, we've been together playing right. baseball or having sleepovers or being in a band or whatever it was. And, um, that was a beautiful one to make. Cause it was just me and my friend sitting there again, like we did when this first started, when Stars was just me and Chris, mm. we had to do something in order to stay together. We had to have some reason for two grown men to just never leave each other. So we came up with <laughs> the idea of a band. That's why <laughs> you know? Stars exists, everybody. No, I mean, that's, <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. That is literally why Stars exists. Yeah. That's why every great band ever exists. A it's testament an to friendship. To hang out with people you love. Yeah. Like, any band that started because you know people had a similar vibe and thought they could make lots of money they made maybe four records and see you later yeah none of them have survived if, yeah. if you if a band has been around for a long time it's because the initial investment was not in the music because mm. you know the business will let you down but the people are the people so hmm. um yeah snowy owl is is a strange one, I guess, but to me, it's very, very much a part of a storyline that's been running through the, through the music for 20, well, 16 years, you know, that is within Take Me to the Riot and Look Away and mm. lots and lots and lots of songs that are about these two people who cannot get their act together <laughs> <laughs> and cannot leave each other alone. I guess there's this couple in the, in the music that serves as a metaphor for, for all of our relationships, you know, mm -hmm. which is like, we can't stop getting fucked up and we can't leave each other. Yeah. Would you, is this um, any sort of conclusive song or is the saga ongoing? I mean, there is an ending, I guess, in a way. Um, but only in within that story. Like yeah. I have no intention. I mean, this could be the last stars record. There's no doubt about it because someone else might say, okay, I'm done. I've had enough. Sure. You know? Yeah. Um, but it won't be, I won't be the one, you know, mm -hmm. I'm not that guy. <laughs> you don't end things. <laughs> I, I don't end things. I have, yeah. no, you know, I get broken up with that's, that's how I roll. Right. I just find it easier. <laughs> <laughs> right out the wave until it's done. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's come on. Isn't it easier to be the victim than the perpetrator? Hey, I mean, I've never in tried, some respects, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, like I'd rather live without guilt 
than hmm. and and regret. That's true. Then then make a move. You know, <laughs> it's like I have a beautiful life. I've I haven't gotten rich and you know whatever whatever. But I've had all these beautiful experiences. I have so many friends. I've you know I've done okay. Like. I, I don't have like a group of people out there going like, well, I think a lot of people think I'm a dick, but they're wrong. <laughs> but like, why? I don't <laughs> know why wrong. people think that, if that's true. I think because I talk a lot, I'm a loud mouth, I'm opinionated, you know. I, you are opinionated, I, I that's true. I sometimes use violent imagery in my language. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm actually, you know, a very friendly person. I like people. Come say hi if you see me around. I won't bite your head off, I promise. I mean, yeah, I've never, I mean, I don't like go on like the stars subreddit. So I don't know how people feel about you, no, but, I, but I, I've never, I've never gotten that vibe. No, I think we try really hard. Well, we don't try. It's just who we are as people. Like this band is a friendly band. We don't put on airs. We never have. We fucking hate bands that treat people badly. Right. Um, we despise that shit. That's not punk. That's not punk. If, if you're in some hair metal band, then go be a douchebag. But punk is about love and being yourself and recognizing that art is work. Art's work is work. And mm -hmm. it's a working class job that involves hard work and being good to people and showing up and doing your thing and treating people right. And, you know, in 22 years now in the music industry, I can still count on two hands the number of assholes I've met in this game. Which is amazing. Ev everybody's nice, man. <laughs> they really are. Maybe that's Everybody like the best kept secret. Nice. I think it is. I think it's, <laughs> you know, as usual, the internet makes everybody think things are terrible when they're not always terrible. But also just like the mythology of rock and roll is such that people think it's this like dog eat dog, sharky world where everybody's a shit to each other. It's like, no, the system, the institutional aspects of it is just sociopathic. Like the yeah. way artists are treated by labels and stuff is insane. But the individuals within that system, they're all just goofballs who love music. You know, yeah. like people who run clubs are not making a lot of money running the club, especially now. They just fucking love having bands through their town. You know, yeah. they're total idealists. So I, we... I don't know. I think we forged a lot of great relationships over the years with promoters, with club owners, with fans, with bus drivers. You know, we try and be friends with people. Hmm. Um, okay, so now I'm on to my random questions that have nothing okay. to do with what I was talking about. Sounds good. Uh, well, I, okay, fine. I'll just start here. I was going to ask Amy the inverse of this and then you this question, but since she's not here, you'll be the only What's one who gets it. What's the opposite of the inverse? What do you mean? Well, inverse, like etymologically <laughs> oh, speaking, oh. suggests that there's an outverse. Do you understand I what I know. mean? Yeah, I do. Somebody out I'm there. An I'm an English teacher. I should know this. Uh, well, I think I might have just stumped the English language. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Done English language, from an English, teacher, from an English <laughs> teacher's perspective, this language sucks. <laughs> Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's, it's such a weird. It's total dog roll. Yeah, it's, it's, it's such a weird language. It's anyway. a real mutt of a language. <laughs> so uh, I was going to ask Amy what her favorite Torque song is. Oh. So I'm going to ask you, what is your favorite Amy song? Favorite Amy Milan song? Yeah. 
my favorite Amy song. There's a lot to pick from. There are. Oh man, that really is a tough one. Um, right now, I'm going to say Look Away. Okay. Uh, which is on No One Is Lost. I think it's just, you know, a gorgeous Patsy Cline country ballad. She's good at um, those. That has some beautifully graceful uh, melodic ideas and lyrical ideas. And I love singing it with her. We always choke up a little bit when we sing that one to each other on stage. Because hmm. I think it's like the essence of pleasure artistically for us is how how long we've spent singing together and how much work we've done up on stage. It's pretty incredible that I have someone like that in my life, you know, yeah. that I'm that close. Like we can literally, we can guess how each other are going to phrase things during a live show. I can feel Amy's going to change something or she can feel that I'm going to change something. Mm -hmm. We just go with each other and look away is like a perfect song to, to do that on. So look away. Good answer. And also an unexpected answer. Why, which, what do you- I don't know. I just feel like most people, when they think Amy songs are going to think of like Calendar Girl. That's, see, now that's a Torquil song. Well, I wrote that I'm, song. Well, then maybe see, what the I mean- That's the other thing is that people think that, I think people think some songs are songs that are like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Some yes, people I do. think I wrote stuff that I didn't write and people, Amy wrote stuff that she didn't write. I guess what I meant then was favorite song like, sung and performed by this person i see oh Which look I away see. would still work yeah calendar girl <laughs> well you wrote that one <laughs> yeah you know i set her up she knocked it down what can i say <laughs> <laughs> um is there any song that you just like absolutely never get tired of playing live oh that um, you play a lot because i know there are some you guys play a lot yeah um I love playing Hold On When You Get Love. That's a great song. Because people love it mm -hmm. and it's joyful. Mm. And um, yeah, I love playing that one live. I know you don't probably sit around listening to Stars Records, but um, that's a really good like car song. Yes, yes. <laughs> I am, I, you know, I listen to Stars Records uh, obsessively to the point of madness right up to the moment that we master it mm. and then i never listen to it again. yeah I, yeah i get that um, but uh you know what this record actually i've been putting on every once in a while i've been putting songs on just because mm -hmm. i like it which is highly unusual the last couple of records i've listened to more than all the others because i think they sound better than mm. all the others so i do think that's a, that's there's a strange less on thing it that bothers me uh, yeah. thing. you just there's these little things sure on the records where you're like i'm never going to be able to change that and it's going to suck every time i guess that's and why I, like a lot of musicians don't listen to their work a lot of actors don't watch themselves and yeah. i get it but with music anyway i'm always like well don't you don't you like what you make my daughter asked me the other day daddy if you weren't in stars would you like stars yeah i, I think like, that's a valid question i think i would yeah I think of if you, I, would. I think if you didn't or wouldn't, it wouldn't sound like it does because you, yeah. you are part of it and you have a say in it and then you put out these records and you stand by them. So why wouldn't you like it? Yeah. I think the possible exception to that is Radiohead. I bet Tom York would hate Radiohead. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why he has to smile now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's like, fuck that shit. I hate Radiohead. <laughs> 
He'll soon he'll start to hate the smile. Oh, geez. <laughs> then we'll get another. And there'll be another thing. Yeah, another yeah. thing. Another Tom solo record. Who knows? Yes. Um, I lost my train of thought. Oh, Leia, let's talk about your song commission project. So yes, you started this quite recently. Um, was it a direct result of kind of COVID and feeling kind of distanced from engaging with people? No. Or why, or why did you it start this? Poverty. <laughs> um, or fear thereof. Um, That's as good a reason as any. Yeah. No, I mean, I was literally like lying in bed on like January 5th, you know, that awful first week of the year where you're mm-hmm. just kind of like, oh my God, what is my life? Um, and I was lying in bed thinking, what the fuck am I going to do? Like stars is, has has like everybody been devastated by COVID. We weren't able to play shows for two years. We haven't been paying ourselves a full salary for two years. Yeah. Um, we're still not back on our feet and we won't be until we can tour, which we're please God about to do. Um, knock all the wood in the world. I think um, you'll be okay. I'm hoping you'll yeah, be okay. Yeah, man. I, it has to be. It just right. has to be. Um, so I was lying there thinking like, okay, I've, I'd been commissioned to write a play uh, which was going okay, but which was a huge slog. And again, like you, I think the thing about being an artist is you you don't make any money until the art gets made. Right. You know, you might be given a bare scraping by wage from someone to make it, but then in order to really make money, you've got to get it out there. So this is the terror of the last two years for people. It was like, I could make stuff, but then what? Like, yeah. you know, you play an online show. I did that. It's horrible. It's yeah. a horrible experience. It's super weird, isn't it? You know, you put an EP out. I did some of that. Like, I watched amazing records go by, just disappear into the ether because nobody yep. could tour on them. So it's like, fuck, what are we doing here? And I knew that the Stars record wasn't coming out till the summertime. So I thought, okay, you have to, you've got to make some work for yourself. You've got to hustle here. And I had just rented a studio here in Vancouver for the first time in my life. I had my own space. We've always had space as Stars, but this is my own. Um, And so I just literally went on Twitter and was like, hey, I'll write a song for you for $1,000. And for whatever reason, it just took off. Like, yeah. I, I don't, I still can't quite figure out why I still, I get like crazy people. I won't even tell you who, but like well-known <laughs> famous people constantly getting in touch with me saying like, you've revolutionized the game, dude. Like this is fucking, this is game changing. I'm like, you mean saying I'm available for hire? <laughs> like <laughs> that is literally all I did. Like yeah. my name's Twerk. I have an email address. It's bardhamletmusic, don't ask at gmail.com. <laughs> music at gmail.com but don't ask why if you want me to write a song for you or make some music for your wedding or fucking whatever give me a ring like i'm a carpenter right i didn't i i, I have always you know maybe it's because i come from a family of artists but my dad went to work six days a week that's what he did to make yeah. a living he went and played falstaff so it it just seemed logical to me um, but it just went nuts. You know, within a few hours, the Globe and Mail had called me and people from the CBC wanted to talk to me on the radio. And I have nearly 100 commissions at this point. And are they um, still coming in? 
they, I just got one today. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, and I really, I want to get to a hundred. I want to write a hundred songs for a hundred different people. Yeah. Um, and this idea, credit where credit's due, sort of came, I wasn't aware, I, I wrote the tweet and then five minutes later, I was like, oh, Momus did this. Now, Momus, if you haven't heard Momus, is mm -hmm. absolutely brilliant writer, songwriter, musician, who's been making records since the early 80s. He was mm. on Creation Records for a long time. He made an incredible masterpiece called Tender Pervert. If you haven't heard it, you're welcome. He's one <laughs> of the great lyricists of all time. And he was signed to the Grand Magistery with us at the same time we were signed our first record deal with the independent label, the Grand Magistery. And he had been signed to the Grand Magistery. And he took us out on tour. And this was massive for me because I had been a fan of his since I was 14 years old. Mm. And he had just finished a record called Stars Forever. I, ironically, it had nothing to do with the title of our band. Um, and he had done this. He had written commissioned songs for people. They had paid him a thousand bucks a song and then he had put this record out. Uh, the only difference is I'm not gonna put the record out. These people own this song. Right. Like if, you, if you get a song from me, it's yours. You can have it. And, yeah. and everyone's always like, dude, are you sure this isn't, you know, won't you regret this? I mean, that's a lot to give away a song for only a thousand bucks. Do you know how many Spotify plays you need to earn a thousand dollars? I know many. 400,000. Yeah. So I can either sweat blood trying to get 400,000 different people to listen to my song in the background right. once, or I can get one person to tell me a little bit about themselves and write a piece of art for them and have them treasure it and have it be their anthem and have a have an interaction with them that's creative and beautiful. And it's it's just been total joy, man. It really has. It's just been amazing. Like, I love... I love, love, love the removal of the search for ubiquity. Mm -hmm. it, it, it is not, I don't need to worry about whether Pitchfork likes it. I don't right. need to worry about whether anybody except my client likes the song. As long as my commissioner likes the song, I'm happy. Yeah. And then they pay me and that's it, you know? And I send them a card with the lyrics inside saying it's their song. I had my friend Megan make these handmade cards. And, oh, you mail it um, to them. I mail it to them That's through so nice. the snail mail. So they have something physical to hold on yeah. to. And uh, it's just been beautiful. I've written 24 songs in like two and a half months. I just sit here from nine to five every day. I remember reading um, an interview with Damon Auburn, who's one of my big heroes. I really admire him. And they were like, how do you do it? How do you make so much music? How can you put out four albums in a year? And he's like, it's not that complicated. You go to work at yeah. nine in the morning and you leave at five o'clock yeah. and I'm lucky enough to do that. And so is he, um, he's in a much better studio than mine, but, <laughs> but we're both lucky enough to do that. And I know a lot of people aren't, so it's not a solution for people who have to go and work eight hours and then want to try and create. I think that's a, a much braver, much more complicated proposition. Mm -hmm. Um, but I just love the aspect of it being like, you know, like being a tailor or being a, a guy who makes furniture. Like I just make a table and here right. goes, here's your table, just the way you wanted it, the right height, the right size. Boom. Yeah. You know, it's beautiful. Yeah. I think, I think it's a very special idea and people saying like, Oh, aren't you giving away a song that's so much to give away? It's like, well, 
is it like it is your job like this is yeah, what and you it's do just a song it is you just know, and song, it's for someone yeah you know exactly it, it and i've i've gotten to hear amazing stories and been let into people's lives in this incredibly generous way you know people tell me amazing things about themselves or people they love and it's also really nice to just be focused on praise music you know mm-hmm. i don't have to come from some difficult place within myself or whatever it's about other people the in they have an instant subject for my song yeah. so the the hardest part of creativity which is the initial impulse is taken care of for me and yeah. the execution is a, is a breeze because I have all the clues I need, you know? Yeah. I think songwriting is a lot like Sudoku. You, you get one thing and then you just kind of fill in around it. Hmm. And that's, that's how I've always written songs, you know? Like, um, God, that was strange to see you again. I, I had that. That's all I had, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I knew that that's all I needed because that set up the whole idea of like, oh, this guy hasn't seen this person that they had relationship with for years and they run into each other at a party. That's the song. Yeah. You know, and that's your ex-lover is dead. So, yeah. Which went on to probably become one of Star's like biggest songs. Yeah, it's bigger than the band. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like that song is bigger than the band. Yeah. There's a lot of people who listen to that song who have no idea who does it. Yeah, or that there are other songs by you guys. Yes, exactly. Like Which is that. strange in and of itself, although there is kind of a sweetness to that, I suppose. Yeah, I love that. I don't mind. I met a yeah. guy once on a plane who was like, I, I told him about my band and he was like, oh yeah, I never heard of you guys. And then he, we stopped talking, he put his iPod on and he was sort of scrolling through and he's like, oh shit, <laughs> look at this, man. I have 30 of your songs in my iPod. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, yeah, that's great. As yeah, long as you like, nice. as long as you're listening, <laughs> I don't give a shit if you know who I am. Right. Just, just feel it. You know. Yeah. Feel it. All right. Before I let you go, um, the personal anecdote that I mentioned earlier. So, one of the one of the reasons I really wanted both of you and Amy here is because of of this. So I've, I mean, I've been a fan of you guys for a long time. Um, I've seen you a couple times, including the time I'm going to talk about now in 2013. And I only know that exactly because I have a recording of it from NYC Taper. Um, From Brooke, it's a Brooklyn show, Music Hall of Williamsburg. And so I just remember, I don't know what possessed me to do this, but in the lead up to the show, I think it was like a March show. So a month or two prior, I like messaged you guys on facebook maybe yeah i don't know i've never looked at facebook <laughs> well I someone it's, somebody it's did. not very good somebody did but, i think it was yeah. facebook and so it's i messaged you guys she, it might have been us. amy yeah. and amy's the one who who says the thing I'm, I'm gonna tell you about um and i wrote this really long message because my uh partner and i we're not married but we always say if we were to get married that our song would be my favorite book uh-huh and I messaged her, uh, or probably, notorious. probably notorious. her. <laughs> um, so I messaged her and I said, hey, you know, we're coming to your show in Williamsburg. It'll be, this, I think at that point, it was the second time we had seen you. And I was like, "Could you know, maybe if like you get a moment, <laughs> I was like, could you maybe, maybe play that song? Um, and, you know, she didn't, no one wrote back for a long time. And then like literally a few weeks before your tour started, <laughs> I got a response that I think it was all... I vaguely remember it being all caps and it was just like, 
sure we'll see what we can do exclamation point or something like that and right. so this is a i'm just going to play it for you and for everyone because this is how she, <laughs> this is how she introduced it in the encore <laughs> she'd be mortified if i was playing this to her campfire version of a song that people might get married to. Who? <laughs> I don't believe in marriage either, but you know what? People <laughs> should be able to get married. <laughs> so that was very sweet of her. <laughs> that's that's funny. Yeah. That's, and that's a notorious song in our band. Why? Because because two of us hate that song <laughs> don't tell me who <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna tell you who but two of us hate it a lot oh <laughs> well i you know with that in and, mind and then, it's become like a massively i know it means a great deal to people and it, it it has become a wedding song i mean we've heard from literally dozens of people that it was a song that they did their first dance yeah. to and that is a beautiful wonderful thing and you know the thing about music is once it's done you give it away it's yours it's not ours anymore so right. it doesn't matter what we think of it <laughs> it matters what y'all think of it so does this does this imply that three of you do still like that song or I mean, four of you i know one person really likes it <laughs> <laughs> i'm going to i'm just going to guess it's not you and that's okay <laughs> one person really likes it two people really hate it i haven't polled the other two the rest I are probably indifferent I, I think they dislike it as much as they dislike our entire catalog <laughs> oh geez well you know for whatever it's worth it is like maybe this is why the people who hate it hate it it is probably one of the sweetest star songs. It is unabashed. Yeah. Yes. It is like it, blushing, blushing, yes. like yes. like twiddling thumbs, like yes. sweetness. Yes. It, I Yes. Stars generally puts a touch of arsenic in the milkshake. Right. right. But there is, that is a completely pure milkshake. Yep. And, uh, you know, <laughs> if you like that kind of thing. <laughs> hey. I, you know, who's the sugar? Who's the arsenic in stars? That's the question. I yeah. And everyone, I, everyone I, can answer. <laughs> <laughs> I will just leave it there. We'll um, just leave it at that. All right. So Cape from Capleton Hill is out soon on May 27th. May 27th. Yeah. On Last Gang. Can, but you can already hear all, basically, we, we demoed the entire record and put it up on Patreon. Okay. Like every time we wrote a song, we put it up on Patreon. So people who are on Patreon can hear all the versions of the songs already. Cool. Um, I DJ there. I Every week uh, we do Q&As. And we're going to every night on tour in June and September, if you're a member of Patreon, there's a party after the show for you. And I DJ live. So oh, that's join nice. our Patreon. It's five bucks a month. Yeah, you it's guys are using it. You guys are using it very well. It's our biggest thing now. Yeah. It's the biggest source of income we have and people are incredible. And that's what I mean. It's like, we don't need the machine. Right. And we don't need millions of people. We just need to find great people who understand art has value and, and make a little bit of their discretionary spending budget. They put it aside to spend on art. That has been the beauty of the artist patron relationship for hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. And it's simple. It can resist tech. It resists you know economic downturn it resists disease it's just artist listener and like come find us we'll make something beautiful for you that's it yeah you know patreon has been a godsend for a lot of people yeah um, it's really amazing 
It's really amazing. It's that idea yeah. of like inviting you to come in if you want to. Yeah, And exactly. that's what's going to fuel us. And, you know, the whole pop machinery has been fueled on the middleman, right? Like, and it's it, a lot like, you know, prosti- like sex work. Like put up the sexy photo, then the pimp comes in and negotiates the deal. And then you come in and you're this mysterious person. It's like, no, <laughs> I'm going to run my own game. You know, yeah. if anybody's going to be a hoe, I'm going to be a hoe for myself, you know, because <laughs> like I don't need pimps. I can do this. And it's just mutual respect, which I think is the further away, the more you mythologize it. it, it I'm sure it was amazing to be. Mick Jagger or Jimmy Page, you know, right. back in the day, I'm sure it was fun, but like, I don't know. I, I think it, it's more fun in a way to actually like spend 20 years making friends with the yeah. people who listen to your music and finding out about their lives and making them recognize that you are literally just like a middle-class working person, just like them with a different job. And you come to their t- town and do something they love and, you can sit down and have a beer and talk about catch up with each other like that's punk to me that's where i come from that's the world i come from and you know even though we sound like the captain and tenille sometimes we are never not punks punks is about it ain't what you do it's the way that you do it (laughs) (laughs) well on that note Thank yeah. you very much, Torque, for talking oh, to me. Pleasure, I'm so glad Jeremy. we finally got to do we this. We finally did it. Let's I'm do so it again. I'm so happy. Yeah, Let's I would love to. Sometime. I could talk to you for hours. I, yeah, um, I love that. All right. Great. Well, okay, I'll then. keep in touch. Thank you very much for talking to me. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon. See you. Bye-bye.